Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Dress, the history of fashion, is a production of iHeartRadio. With over 7 billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed. Welcome to Dressed, the History of Fashion, a podcast that explores the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, Cassidy Zachary and April Callahan. Dress listeners, get excited because today we make good on a promise. Some of you might remember a few months ago when we made a recommendation to follow the Instagram account at matching.melania, which features its founder, Melania Chavaria Nuno, donning the most amazing ensembles to either parallel or kind of blend into her surroundings. And given the fact that her chosen locales are often shot in front of these really bright, bold, and simply dazzling murals, which are part and parcel to Mexican street art traditions. And sometimes she also shoots within the quiet and cloistered spaces of contemporary art galleries and museums. Well, her work is a feast for the eyes. And we have been enthralled by her utterly original take on the intersection of art and fashion for quite some time now, and are so thrilled that she agreed to join us Undressed. So, so excited. And this actually might be a first dress listeners because if at all possible, we highly recommend you check out Melania's Instagram feed at matching period Melania before you listen to this episode or maybe while you're listening to this episode. Because while we do endeavor to describe her work as we chat with her, there really is no way to completely encapsulate the sheer joy it brings and also the incredible amount of planning and care that she puts into crafting each and every image. Prepare for your day to be instantly brightened, friends. With all that's been going on this last year and a half, we can all use the daily dose of sunshine that Melania sends our way. Melania, it is such a pleasure to have you here with us today. We are both huge fans of what you do. Uh, thank you so much. I'm a huge fan of your podcast too already. Like I discovered it recently and it's such an honor for me to be here. And thank you for the interest in you know what I do. It's it's a pleasure for me to be here today. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, and and you know, Cass and I, as she just said, are huge fans, and we actually joined your thirty thousand Instagram followers. <laughs> thank you. In being fans, um, and it was actually Cassidy who sent me your Instagram page. Uh, maybe it was well over a year ago, if not maybe even two years ago, and I was immediately blown away. It's just so smart. It's so well done. You know, every single post is like a highlight of my day. It puts a smile on my face. 
And, and, you know, when you describe the idea to somebody, it seems like it's simple, but in actuality, it's deceptively complex. Um, and, and we can't wait to hear more about it. Um, but before we get into your work, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your childhood? Yeah, of course. Um, well, I was born and raised in Mexico City. And I think that was uh, very important in that sense because I've always been related to culture. I think there are so many differences between what people know about Mexico and what we actually live like, you know. So from a very early age, I was uh, into it. My family is dedicated to architecture. So I've always been aware of how important it is the place where we grow up, what we see, how it molds us. We go through uh, several things that maybe other countries don't, like, for example, the earthquakes and all of these things that actually had a huge impact in, in my childhood as, as how important it is our surroundings, you know, how we mold the city and how the city molds us. I was always, uh, I had it clear that um, I wanted to be somewhere where culture and, of course, fashion, I discovered from a very early age that I wanted to be a fashion designer. I never wanted to be something else ever. So everything I was learning at school, I related to that. And I I don't think I even was this kind of girl that was very interested in toys and stuff. I was, I you know, back in the time, style.com was a thing already. So I, I remember spending my afternoons checking up like all of the designers from the A to the any kind of characters, you know. So that was more like my childhood. I wanted, I, I mean, I was already dreaming with it. And maybe because we don't have that culture as strong as many other countries, reality is that I had to, I knew I had to learn as much as I could, even if I was not already in the time, because you have to be clear that you want to study that. Otherwise, it's a mess because there's no, uh, I mean, we don't have a tradition like many other countries do. So I, I always remember being a child, being in love with, with this industry. So I, uh, that's how I, I remember. And of course, the, the impact that my family did on me, you know, that um, we were always uh, close to the importance of, of buildings and stuff. So I started, you know, making those connections, how I felt inspired about my, my you know, my family. That was it. Yeah. And I really love that you said that, you know, your surroundings really impact you and you impact your surroundings. I mean, these intersections of art, architecture and fashion are really central to these images you create. Uh, one of the first things I thought of when I saw your Instagram feed was, it, I mean, basically it stops you in our tracks and our listeners who do not already follow you will, I'm sure, look you up immediately. And the first thing I think of is, where is she getting all of these clothes? Because it's just incredible. It's so incredible how well you match your surroundings and integrate with the art that's a part of this imagery you're producing. Everything is so spot on, you know, and like she must spend a ton of time and money creating this clothing. And actually, <laughs> you just did a fab video of your closet, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little later. But as April and I were doing a little bit of research for this episode, we learned that perhaps this has something to do with your formal education. Can you tell us about where you went to college and what you studied? 
Well, that's a long story, actually, uh, because I, I studied fashion twice. First in Mexico. Um, it was very complicated for me because ever since I was a little girl, like I said, I wanted this. So I had clear that I had to choose like which direction to take. So I started making a research and I felt that I always had this idea that Italian culture was more similar to us. Of course, I had these um, examples of, okay, these are the capital cities of fashion, like, you know, have London, Milan, Paris, and so on, you know. But I always felt that my way of understanding fashion and because of our values, you know, familiar values of Mexico and blah, 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 I always felt that the Italian system was, could be good, a good example for me to, to develop like my own way of making fashion. But of course, you know, time goes by and you start finding your own voice. And reality, I have to be honest and say that when the time came for me to study fashion, we all in, a, in my family, we all felt that I was not ready to move abroad. I spent lots of years studying Italian because I always thought I was moving there. But the system, the education system here in Mexico is not that powerful maybe or it's not that evolved as many other countries and my family was like okay why don't you study first here in Mexico you try here and then you can go and study I don't know wherever you want to you know and back in the time there was this uh, new um, school of design that was founded by a family that actually is dedicated to promote arts and culture here in Mexico. They are very famous and they actually control many of the projects in the movie um, industry, the movies in the film industry and design. And they wanted to, you know, own the, the place. So uh, it's a school here in Mexico called uh, Centro that could be translated to Center. And the complete name was Center of Design, Movies, and TV. And they had fashion. All of the teachers were actually working in, for real in the industry, whether it was design or fashion itself. And they, most of them were foreigners. So I thought like, okay, this is a good proposal. They had this new vision because the very rare proposals that you get here in Mexico are normally based into very old ways of making fashion, nothing related to design, more like uh, dress confectioning and stuff like that that I was not into. So I chose that, that option and it was actually good. They had good teachers and they got it clear that what was going on in the fashion scene, I think it was good because I got all of the techniques and they had a complete vision of what was going on in the fashion world. We had lessons of how to make a magazine, but you had marketing, but you had design, but we had textile. The textile tradition in Mexico is immense. So it was very important for me to get that part. So it was like a bit of everything, but you really didn't get the approach in a certain area. I think we had a bit of everything and that's where I felt like, okay, this is not enough. And the thing that it was that when the time came of, of making my graduate collection, that's where I started having issues because I was clear that I wanted to have my own voice. That was very important for me. I just thought like nobody else is 
you know, expecting or wanting a new designer to come and bring beautiful clothes. I mean, beautiful clothes are already out there and they are, you know, the, the proposal is impressive, whether it is, um, you know, mainstream fashion or designers, you know, high-end high-end designers, they all have beautiful proposals. I need to find an extra reason on why am I, I am creating something. And that was the point where I didn't have much support because they don't, didn't have any experience in that sense. And that's where I started, you know, having troubles with finding my, my signature style, probably in, in terms of design. And I did a, you know, profound research. And that's where I started, you know, finding there was a teacher who presented me the show of magazines of Antwerp. And that's where I, you know, my head was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. This is the kind of things that I want what I designed to go further from oh, that's beautiful or that's ugly. I want to do something beyond that, you know? So it was, it was complicated because that's where I actually started, you know, linking the kind of fashion that was actually never produced in Mexico. They told me like, this thing you want to do has never been done in Mexico. We don't know how to guide you. So you'll probably have lots of missing parts in this process. I did it profound research that that is exactly where actually the project that you see on Instagram started because my graduate collection was about Mexico City. I grew up in a place that uh, I saw being transformed several times and it's incredibly chaotic. You know, you find museums next to train goes by and then you have French school in front of it and next to it, it's uh, Corona a fabric so it smells like you know beer and traffic is impressive there are very weird stuff going on in there so i wanted to talk about that chaos and translate it to to the body ever since i started my graduate collection i realized that i wanted to make questions to the body and to our identity make questions about shape form and function and question the things of that we perceived as beautiful in Mexico because there are still not so many examples or, or um, exercises about that. And the thing is, my, my trouble with Mexican fashion ever since I, I was a little girl was that it is always copying other industries. That's, re, that's the real thing, you know? They're always copying Gucci, they're always copying whoever you want to call, you know? And I was like, okay, we need to find our own identity so we can actually build a, a Mexican way of doing fashion. And I just couldn't get why was it you have a personal uh, and very important uh, way of making food, of making, you know, architecture, whatever, but fashion hasn't made it. So for me, that was the example where I started looking like, why don't we look at what it's really going on in our city and we can actually look like that. Maybe that's the way. So that's where my look like the city uh, project started. Back in the time, of course, it was more related to um, a conceptual way of doing fashion. I wasn't looking for making clothes like that, like wearable clothes. I think also that when you're you know, a fashion student, you can have that permission. It's a good moment to express and uh, do creative stuff. And so I translated all of this language to the body 
like the things I detected in the place where I grew up was what I was trying to place in the body. The name of the collection was Mexico City 11,000, referring to the place, uh, the zip code where I grew up. So I knew I had, I had lots of troubles, you know, and maybe missing parts of, of this project. Um, but when I was doing it, I, I got this uh, amazing approach to the Antwerp way of doing fashion. And of course, when I ended my, my graduate collection and I ended school in Mexico, I just thought like, I, I really have to go to Antwerp and try because of course, when I said so many people were like, okay, that's not going to happen. You're not in that level. You know, we, we're taught here in Mexico, like you're never going to make it because you're Mexican. That is it. And I was like, why not? You know? I, I need to be there. And so I never told anybody that I was I was doing the procedure for Antwerp. Nobody else helped me. I literally started uh, sending emails to ask. I, I just thought like, I don't know if this is the way, but nobody helped me because nobody believed in me, actually. There was just one teacher who, who was sort of guiding me because we were actually never prepared for making a good book or how to apply, whether it was in Antwerp, whatever school you name. So I started doing the book the way I knew I could, and I started getting ready. First, I, I did the master's degree procedure, but they answered me that I wasn't ready. And it was like very disappointing. I mean, I already knew that, but I don't know why I tried. Um, the thing is, they told me like, I mean, we can see that you have a vision, that you have this very interesting uh, point of view that we like, but you're not ready. And if we send you with the master's degree students, you're going to suffer because you're not in that level. Unfortunately, like the place where you studied, I mean, Mexico is far away from where we're going right now in, in that sense. And I was like, okay, I got, I got really depressed about it. I have to say it was like a very difficult moment. And my family was like, uh, because they also told me like, why don't you come and do the bachelor, you know, entrance exam? And I was like, of course not. And my family is going to say no, because uh, schools of fashion here in Mexico, it, that is a, another point. Um, fashion in Mexico is still like segregated. I think it only belongs to a certain kind of people. It's not a, it's not um a cultural aspect that many can feel related to. That is also a thing that was always in my mind when I started this project in Instagram, because uh, I wanted to, I always felt that I needed to promote the importance of fashion, culturally speaking. That's the way fashion maybe could grow in a country like mine, you know? So the thing is that it was expensive here. In, I mean, it's very expensive to study fashion here in Mexico and to imagine the idea of paying another school because, of course, I'm not European. So I was like, my family is going to say no, of course. But they were very supportive. And they actually, um, my father came with me to do the entrance exam and he looked at all of the, you know, students or people that were trying to enter and he was like this is other other level you know this is other thing and he was like you have to make it here and it was like oh my god like of course you go there and it's like it's so so different and that's how I ended up in Antwerp I just never thought I was going to make it 
but surprisingly, it, it happened, you know? Yeah. So that's how I ended up in Antwerp. Yeah. And, and for any of our dress listeners who might not be familiar with, you know, how fashion design education and programs around the world operate, just let me say that the Royal Academy of Arts Antwerp is incredibly prestigious. It is definitely one of the top three programs of the world, if not number two, or maybe even number one. So it is very, very, very selective and very, very difficult to get in. And you, I believe, were actually the first Mexican student to ever be admitted to the fashion design program. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a surprise in that sense, because imagine they were like, I, I know blah, 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 that tried it. And, and it was like, of course, that's why nobody knew that I was going to Antwerp, you know, and that's uh, where the magic happened, you know, because my name was actually the first, I was the first selected from all of that group. It was like, I mean, I really thought I was not going to make it, not only because um, I had clear disadvantages with all of the students, but because there was lots of people and I was like looking at their works and it was impressive, impressive, impressive. People coming from all over the world. I knew that I had to do an extra effort if I wanted to. I, I just thought like, okay, this is not going to happen, but at least I'm going to do my best, but to the extreme. So I know that I did my best and I can go back home, you know, happy about it. And actually I was, you know, talking to my family in back in the days and I was like, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. And I just went to, to hear the names because in, uh, back in the time, um, the building was uh, having some works and I don't know what. So normally they just put the paper with the names, but that day they were, they were reading all of the names and the first name they they read was mine. I just couldn't believe I was shocked, you know? (laughs) And yeah, imagine my family was like, it was like the biggest celebration ever. It was like a big, big, big surprise. Yeah. I mean, having followed your work for the last year, it's so obvious to me why you got in. (laughs) But I can imagine at the time, you know, you just don't know. And the program in Antwerp is incredibly unique in that it really has this experimental approach to fashion. We'd love if you could tell us a little bit about the program and maybe how it differed from the fashion programs in Mexico or just fashion design schools in general. Well, in general, I think it's very different. I just don't think it looks like anybody else's program. I actually, uh, while I was doing the research of Antwerp, of course, I, I looked at other schools that are also famous, you know, Parsons and St. Martins and whatever. And I just felt that they were very similar to the school I studied here in Mexico. The programs and the way they treat students and all of these things are very similar. And uh, I think Antwerp was like, it really surprised me. They, They didn't even care about my name at the beginning. They were like, we want to see what you're able to do. We don't care if you know English you know, we don't care if you are coming from whatever it is, your story. We don't care about it. We want to see what you're able to do. And that was for me like, okay, this is the, the kind of, of people I want to be next to, you know. And they were very interested into getting to know each one of their students. That's why they don't have also like a lot of students in their classrooms and uh, I mean, I remember back in the time we were about 
300 people trying to, to enter. And at the end of the day, we were selected maybe 20 something, you know, it was impressive. So I think from there, you can see it's going to be different. And then when you get in, it's like, it's very surprising because I actually was uh, encouraged to forget every single thing I've ever learned. It's like the opposite process that you get in fashion schools where they teach you techniques of making patterns of sewing and all of this stuff because they actually want you to discover your own process. They want you to discover the body and to uh, experience the idea of building and, and understanding the shapes and everything in the body, but it has to be you. You don't get lessons of, I mean, they tell you it's going to be pattern making, but you're actually not doing so. You're, you're, you have to explore it yourself. They were always telling me, like, forget about everything you've learned. And if you have to build a mold or whatever shape you want to do with uh, pencils, with whatever it is, do it. But you have to do it. And that is when you start noticing that every single part of your process has to be personal. You feel the pressure because, of course, there's lots of talent next to you. But also another thing that was very important for me, especially coming from a culture like, of, like Mexico, it was that you can't look at anybody else's work. You can uh, bring a reference of anyone else, whether it is the, the way they place the zipper or a button. And of course, never talk about a, another designer's work. Whatever photos or references that you take, you have to take them yourself. You have to to show off that everything, every single part of the process of the creative process has been personal and they push your limits. It's, it's very emotional in that sense. I literally saw like many people, extremely talented people going away and, and, you know, facing lots of difficulties because I also think that one of the things that they teach you in Antwerp is how to defend yourself emotionally speaking. And if you don't have the character, we really went through very difficult moments. I remember coming to the classroom and everybody was crying. Like it was impressive. And I don't know, I've been lucky. I, I'm coming from a family that really molded me in that sense. They, I mean, I'm, I'm not that emotional actually. And that, that was a very... Um, it was very helpful in that sense because I never took things personal. I always felt that, okay, they really want me to, to know how to defend because then as a designer, you're going to face criticism, you know, and, and you have to stay strong to your ideals. That's how you start creating a personal um, profile, in, you know, for, for fashion. So, um, it was very, very difficult because you, you have to follow your own process and you start looking at everybody else. Probably, you know, cultures like German culture and they, they have these amazing schools in, in Germany, you know, and, and you see the difference also. And it was very challenging because also for them, because uh, in my case, they've never had anyone from Mexico. So it was, I think, a contrast between what they expected and who I really was. So it was very, in every single sense, you know, weather is difficult and you have to face that things because, I mean, in Mexico, everything is open like 24-7. But there, uh, there it is very difficult to, to get materials. You have to cross the, the whole country. So it is 
difficult in every single sense. But I think that is also part of, of getting ready uh, to become a, a designer and to, to deserve the place that you have, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, they're, they're preparing you not only mentally, but emotionally to work within the industry. It's a very difficult industry to work in. Very difficult. Um, and, and currently the school is headed by one of my all-time favorite past or present designers, Walter Van Berendonck. He's amazing. Um, of course, some of our listeners will know that he was a member of the famous Antwerp Six that graduated from the school in the early 1980s. And I don't want to dwell too much longer on your education at Antwerp, but I just want to say that the, the school's sort of like renegade philosophy that kind of critiques and sometimes even operates outside of the traditional fashion system. When I made that connection that you had been in Antwerp, I was like, oh my gosh, her work on Instagram makes so much more sense to me now. Like, like I was already a huge fan, but then I was like, oh, I see what's going on here. So um, can, can you tell us a little bit about how Matching Melania came to be? You mentioned earlier that maybe you had started playing with these ideas before you went to Antwerp, but when did it become the incarnation that it is now? Well, it's, it's a long road, but actually when I did the procedure for the master's degree, you had to uh, make a proposal of the kind of topic that you wanted to work with for the master's degree. And I linked this project that I had in Mexico of the Mexican architecture and blah, 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 with a project that they have in Belgium that is called Ugly Belgian Houses. It's a very sarcastic way of looking at their houses. And, you know, so I was looking at the fact that every culture maybe has this chaotic, funny, uh, weird things that express, you know, maybe it, it is probably not the thing that makes cultures uh, proud of, you know, but it happens. And I think chaos is beautiful. And that's how, how I actually started linking it to the Antwerp way of doing clothes, you know, and their aesthetic. And of course, I mean, Walter for me is one of my favorite designers. I just thought like, I want to find a way to make my signature style in terms of design like his, you know, because he is able to play with his own image and sell his image through fashion. I mean, he, if you see all of these photos where he's actually playing with his clothes and making these characters and he's even a character that you can find in his clothes. I just thought like, this is a thing that I would like to know how to do. And actually I, I had like a very good receive. I was received in, in that sense in a, you know, positively by, by him because I was different to all of the students in that sense. I mean, I was different here in Mexico and because I was like sort of crazy, but also there in Antwerp because the, the there's, I, I do think that, there is this sort of uh, profile of Antwerp student, you know, they're all dressed in black and they have this very, you know, this low profile. And then I, I, you know, I came with neons and, you know, Mexican culture is like that. You see color all of the time. So they were actually shocked. And that's how I started getting close to all of these characters like Walter. And, and they started, you know, linking me with other people. I started working with Coca-Cola. Well, first of all, um, the very first days I, I arrived in Antwerp, there was this exhibition at the MOMU and I did the uh, nail art that was matching to the, um, some of the, ex you know, the exhibition, the, the clothes. 
and um, I got the call. Well, I got an, an, a message from the PR of the Mummy, David Flamet, and he started connecting me with lots of people. I started working with Coca-Cola Belgium to do also like matching nails to their winter collection of bottles and, you know, Christmas edition and I don't know what. And that's how I started, you know, having this project to evolve, like to to do this. It, it really started in a very natural and organic way. And I, I rarely say this, but I actually... You know, they say like never meet your heroes because you know sometimes it's disappointing. And reality is, I started meeting like lots of designers, and it was like, how is it that they made it this big, and they can even talk, you know, profoundly about fashion? I was like, what, you know? And I started making a research, and that's how I started finding these people that started promoting all of these people who were behind all of these talents. And that's how I met Herr Brulot, that was actually the one who helped the Antwerp Six. And um, he was the first to to buy the shoes collection of Marta Margiela. And uh, he owned this uh, shoes, uh, shoe store, um, Cocodrilo. And he was very supportive in that sense. And he was... Uh, I had this crisis at the end of my studies in Antwerp of what to do. Should I stay here in Europe or should I go back to Mexico? Uh, of course, the fame that Antwerp has uh, started uh, to have some effects here in Mexico. They started offering me jobs at Vogue and stuff like that. And the reality is that in, in, in Europe, you're just another talented one you know, and he was the one who started, you know, telling me like, if you want me to tell you the truth is that everything is done here in, in Europe and nobody's expecting a revolution because things are already, I mean, they're working good. And what you're trying to promote, what you're, what you're doing won't have probably like the success that could have in a country like yours that has this, I mean, there are no rules. You can, you can do whatever you want. And, um, I would go back to Mexico and try there. And it was like, okay, I don't know. But he also gave me an advice uh, that was probably the thing that has to do more with this project on Instagram that he told me. And I'm going to tell you something. If you want to make it, they have to see you first. And that's how you're going to attract the attention to your work. And it was like, no way, because I actually am not a very social person. You know, I was, I was trained in Antwerp. If they teach you to... To stay outside the view of people, you know, you, you have to have this eye that, I mean, that's not, you know, I mean, you're not in the crowd, mm-hmm. you know, you're, a, I was a designer. I mean, well, I'm a designer and I'm trained to be behind the scenes, not, not, not in front of it. And, and the thing is that he told me like, no, you have to, you, they have to see you first. And I was like, no way. Uh, so I started using social media and I started uh, relating it because many of the kids I was uh, studying with were using social media to draw the attention on their work directly. And I started using social media to, to promote my work and my creativity through myself. I thought like, okay, this is the place where I'm actually free because who's, who's going to care if I do the craziest thing? It is my body who cares, you know, and it actually happened. Like it is through Instagram, through this project that 
many brands that I never ever thought that could be interested into what I was doing uh, started to notice and they saw the potential even when I didn't have followers. I mean, when I started working with Coca-Cola, I didn't even reach the 100 likes, you know? So from the very beginning, I thought it was interesting for brands to, to see this proposal that I had through myself. And just so our listeners can visualize what we're talking about here, because obviously we're operating in an audio format, would, would you just describe like perhaps the setup visually of one of your typical images that you post on Instagram? It always starts with, uh, well, I had it clear, first of all, that um, it was important for me to, to promote the value of culture in my country, because I also learned that in Antwerp, they, they respect culture, they respect uh, their fashion, their, their art. And here in Mexico, like I said before, it is, uh, I think it is believed that it only belongs to a certain group of people that can afford that. So it was through Instagram that I wanted to explore all of the expressions that could be created, especially in Mexico, uh, from what you can find in the streets to what you see on probably galleries, art galleries or museums, to what's going on in architecture or whatever. You, I mean, also markets here in Mexico. The thing is, I start from a context of, okay, what's the next cultural aspect going on here? And I investigate whatever I'm going to shoot. And that's how I start normally creating the outfit. So it can feel like visually it belongs there. You know, I always have this uh, clear vision that it has to be me who's molding the space or the art or whatever it is, not the opposite way. Because I think that is something that you see normally in these uh, platforms in social media. You know, it's like people taking advantage of, you know, whatever your surrounding, you know. And I wanted to do the opposite. It was me who was uh, also showing off that fashion has this connection with culture that much that it can actually look like it's camouflaging or making the perfect match, you know? So it's, it's like that. And, and I love some of the images that you take where it's really hard to find you for a second because you are matching or blending in so well. There was one um, from a few months back and, and oftentimes you photograph yourself in front of these ginormous murals. And I think we'll, we'll touch on some cultural links back to muralism in Mexico here in a second. But this one in particular, I was so delighted to see because the mural was this ginormous mural of the face of an owl. And I couldn't find you for a second because you had positioned yourself where the bridge of the owl's nose should be. You have on a brown top that blends in with that part of his nose. And then your skirt is kind of like this fringed gray skirt that meshes in with his like his beard, gray beard feathers and, and your bag matches. And I finally found you after like looking a couple times at it. And, and again, on like a third glance, you're like, oh, okay. This even goes even further because your brown top that blends in also has an owl face graphic on it. So it's just so smart. It's so good. It's so fun. Yeah. It, sometimes it takes time. I mean, years to do those, those outfits. Yeah. Because it's weird to find an old knit, you know, it's it's very difficult. Cass, do you have a favorite? 
Yeah, it's impossible. But I will say the one that that I saw that like just stopped me in my tracks and I was like, okay, April, she has to come on the show. We need to figure this out. Was an image you posted last year in November. And I, I think it's called Calavera de, de, de Talavera. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, hashtag Dia de Muertos, Day of the Dead. And it's incredible. You have the Day of the Dead skull, like makeup. You have this f- incredible floral headpiece, but it's blue and white tiled colored patterning that matches the tile patterning behind you. I mean, like April said, you blend into it. It's, it's perfection. (laughs) (laughs) You know, actually for all of these images, I, I always, you know, because people normally said like, or asking me like, uh, how do you do it? And I always tell them like, don't look at Instagram. I mean, I, I rarely spend my time, you know, looking at it all of the day. I, I look at the streets. You know, surprisingly, the most creative people, and I've learned that from them, it was like, don't spend your time looking at something that it's already done. Look outside. So I always, I mean, I walk a lot, which in Mexico is very complicated. Mexico City is enormous, enormous, enormous. And you can get lost every day and everything can happen in a day. So I always keep my eyes open to find these walls, to find this art, whatever it is. Uh, the old is actually in one of, in one of the most crowded uh, places here in Mexico, and it's actually a corner, so it's very complicated because you know cars come here and there. But I I had that that sweater, so I knew I I have to make that match because it is actually brown. It has the same eyes, and in that sense, I think also the placement the placing for me is very important because I always try to even make the art more interesting if I can, you know? So I thought like placing in the middle will actually draw the attention to the whole mural. You have to look at the whole mural so to so you can find me, you know? And then I just remember that I had this feather skirt that I just thought it's going to work perfectly because you're talking about an old that has feathers, you know? And I'm, I try to play with all of these concepts, you know? And uh, the one of the day of the day, I also have to say it's one of my favorites because it was like a dream come true for me. The Talavera is um, a material that's normally, um, it's a very important tradition in the state of Puebla. It was brought, of course, by the Chinese to Mexico. And they in Mexico, it was like molded to look like the culture. Now it's... Uh, an important tradition in that state. So you have to, but the thing is you have to go to that state to find Talavera and you normally don't find it in big proportions. And actually I found that spot when we were parking and it was like a little bench in, in outside a house. And it was like, I, I immediately had the idea. I just thought like, I actually took that photo with the outfit without the, the makeup and everything. And I just, you know, kept it. And I just felt like this isn't ready. It has to be more powerful. And um, the day of the death came. Uh, Many of the normal activities were not happening because of, you know, the, the thing of the pandemic and so. And I just had the idea like, okay, what if I do the makeup like, uh, like that? And it was like, a miracle because I have never, ever done that kind of makeup, but it was like all my family helping me, you know, my sister doing this and that. And we went to buy all of this makeup and 
So it was a tryout, but it actually worked out. My dad, my mom were helping me to do the flowers of the crown. Like all of my family is part of this process. And that also makes it like even more important, uh, you know, emotionally speaking for me, because I remember that afternoon that we spent the whole day and and it was like, you know, people were walking by the street and they were like shocked, like, oh my God, what is this, you know? (laughs) Because that's also, uh, you know, part of the process to see how people react. And that was like, it was a very, very good day in that sense. So yeah, it's also one of my favorites. Yeah. And that was one of our questions too, which you kind of just mentioned is how this is a collaborative process. Because for instance, well, for one, you just are incredibly prolific on Instagram. You post images much to all of our delight like every couple of days and dress listeners, when you see the amount of work that goes into each of these images, like this is incredible. It's, it's just an incredible process that you must go through. But in terms of collaboration and who you work with and how you work, for instance, there is an image recently, again, that I was just like, this woman is amazing because you are suspended from a building into the <laughs> artwork. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I never thought I was going to do that because I hate, you know, the heights, but I was there. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, this, these aren't selfies she's taking by herself in front of murals. Like, obviously, this is a whole production team. Would you tell us a little bit more about that? It's quite surprising because I think that I've been very lucky. It's, again, very difficult to to have the support in a country like ours. Like, I literally studied next to kids that... Uh, their families never knew that they were studying fashion. And they actually told me that by the end of, of uh, the career, you know, like I was surprised that I was the only one supported in the graduate uh, events. And so by my whole family, not only my, my mom and dad, my sister, but my whole family was there. They have always been very supportive, even if uh, nobody else in my family is dedicated to arts or whatever. But I think that has been a very important thing because to me, because I have the support of people that believe in me, even when I don't even believe in me, you know, (laughs) it is, it is very, very interesting. The process that you go through, because I have, of course, I mean, I have been through lots of difficult moments where you feel like nobody cares about what I do and I'm going to move this, that, you know, and but for me, in that sense, it has been like, okay, I can just give up because I have this whole bunch of people believing in what I do. And they didn't even know uh, what they were doing, like back in the time when we were doing the graduate collection, for example. But they were helping me to make patterns, to sew, to paint, and they've always been there. So it has actually evolved in this in this project to be the same way. Uh, my mom is the, the one that takes most of the photos, and now nobody else knows how to do it, you know, like her. Uh, lots of uh, photographers I've already worked with are surprised about, I don't know how she does it, because, you know, nobody really gets the point. You know, my mom and I, we have already this connection because... We've been part of this whole uh, process. We have evolved this project together. Uh, we started going out to museums and just taking photos. And now, now she knows what I expect from a photo. Um, I don't have to tell her, you know, like, you place here. And no, no, she already knows. 
She knows what I want from a wall, what I'm, uh, because sometimes walls are that big that you actually just have to choose a part. She knows which part you ha- she has to take. And that's very impressive because we have developed this uh, communication, you know, that's beyond words. Um, my dad is very supportive. Uh, he's coming from a very different family that was like, he was, they were always telling me like not to support what I was doing. And he's been doing the opposite, you know, <laughs> he's always been uh, like, Thanks, okay. Dad. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's amazing, you know, in that sense. And sometimes, like I said, like Mexico City is that big that you have to really uh, make a whole travel, you know, to go to a mural. Sometimes it takes hours just to make a photo. There's uh, a photo that I have um, in the floor. Uh, it's like a heart with all of these colors. And we actually had to be there by 6 a.m. And it's like a travel of about two hours just to get that photo. So, and my family is with me, you know, because it's very difficult here in Mexico to move alone. So, um it's, it's very supportive. I mean, it's a family project that has also been very uh, interesting now for brands that I never thought it was going to happen. But like when I tell the brand, like, okay, I have to work with this and that because uh, my, my mom, blah, 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 blah. And they get more excited because the thing is here in Mexico, like uh, family values are very important. And I think that's even more interesting for a brand houses. Like uh, how, how is it that there are so many people in your family involved doing things that they actually never learned uh, how to do, but you know, it was like the necessity, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, touching back to something that we mentioned earlier, I I'd love to talk about the artwork, which appears in your imagery. And so many of your backdrops are murals, as we've already mentioned. What exactly is the distinct cultural heritage of muralism in Mexico. And I'm wondering, and I'm pretty sure it is, I'm wondering if this history is intentional for you as a reference point. Definitely. Um, uh, Well, I actually discovered muralism in a very accidental way, probably. Uh, The very first photos, uh, actually how it really started uh, this project was because I've always liked to change my image. You know, there was this trend back in the time that you had this ombre in the, you know, the hair ombre. So I had all of the colors that you can imagine. And the thing, it was changing every day. And I wanted to dress up like the, the, the color, the exact color that I had that day. But I, I just thought like, okay, nobody, where is it going to, to be seen? You know, I have to make like this kind of diary of the looks. And I started taking the photos you know, in my, my garden, that was it. Um, but then I just thought like, this is boring. So I started walking the streets and finding doors and stuff like that, that could actually match my outfit. I just looked at it and it was like, okay, I like this result. But the thing is, um, (laughs) my neighbors were a bit concerned, like, no, this is private property and blah 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 and police <laughs> came after me and it was like okay back in the time it was very difficult like right now you see lots of people taking photos in murals but when I started that wasn't the case you know it was very rare and people looked at me in the streets like why is she taking photos you know here what is going on and you know all of this walking mm, 
brought me to to find murals, to find street art. And that that was how I started discovering it. And the response was amazing. You know, lots of lots of artists started writing me to tell me like, uh, I actually didn't didn't start tagging them because I just thought like they're going to say this is, you know, this silly girl taking photos in my work because like you said, uh, muralism in Mexico, uh, it's like a real matter, you know, and right now uh, artists are way even more difficult than the artists that you find in, in museums. They're actually very difficult people to work with. They want their message to be respected and stuff like that. And the thing is that I actually didn't want them to see what I was doing, you know, <laughs> uh, but they started finding me. And it was amazing for me to see that they actually liked, liked it and they started sending me their upcoming works and their murals and whatever. And that's how I, I started doing this. And I started to be more conscious of how important it was because it is, uh, I mean, a very rare art in that sense in, because it is different to the rest of the world. I think the Mexican heritage, you know, it is very important to us you have all of these people like Diego Rivera and Siqueiros all of all of these great artists that right now I think it's already taking again this amount of importance I think it's one of the most genuine ways of expressing in Mexico because they actually do have a message they do want to express their people. Right now, there's this trend of, of putting people's uh, faces on the walls, but real people, not the ones you see in magazines and stuff like that. So, it, and then right now, there's also like this importance of people, like people right now are calling them to, to make murals in their houses. Back in the time, that was not happening. You know, people want uh, their murals and they take care of them. And it's very impressive for me in that sense, because I think that I it's not only taking photos, but I also right now I can say that I own a good collection of art that is already not existing anymore. And that's also one of the things that for me was very important to somehow give a permanent life to something that actually doesn't have it, you know. And of course, right now, I think that more than any other times that uh, we are aware of how important and how big is the heritage in that sense that we're caring, culturally speaking, because this is actually like, like many of the artists right now are working with the biggest brands. And because they know, like Mexicans know how to do murals, you know, and there are they, the artists that we have here can compete to any other one in the world. When you see the lists, uh, the global uh, lists or whatever, uh, there's always one or two Mexicans. So I feel very proud of that, that, you know, to say that we have this art is free for us. And it's actually very important in the cultural sense. So it, it has been, of course, for me, something that I, I don't know, I feel very connected to that. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I actually live in um, Bushwick, Brooklyn, and we have a whole, like our whole neighborhood is actually known for the street art. And we have tons of murals all, all, all over. So if you ever find yourself in NYC, yeah, I have come to. find I have me. To. <laughs> <laughs> I really have to. 
dress listeners, we often refer to ourselves on the show as dress detectives. But what if we told you that you could travel back in time and solve your own fashionable mysteries? Because you can by joining us in playing June's Journey. And April, I can't tell you how much fun I've had playing June's Journey. It's this <laughs> hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour and intrigue of the 1920s with this diverse cast of characters. And basically, each new scene takes you further into the story of a thrilling murder mystery that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. You will sleuth with June in the antique parlors of New York, the chic sidewalks of Paris, and you can even build your own luxury island estate where you get to decorate and plant decadent gardens. And there's also a chat and challenge feature where you can play alongside friends. So join us, dress listeners, in putting on your detective hats and escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Cass, as you know, we are going to be expanding our fashion history travel offerings this year. Mm -hmm. So you better bet that I'm going to be brushing up on my language skills with Rosetta Stone. With more than 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and so many more, that world out there is practically at the tip of your tongue. And that's right, dress listeners. For more than 30 years, Rosetta Stone has been the expert in language learning. There are no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which is incredible. You learn by immersion, and their programs are available to use on your desktop or as an app. And let's not forget that there is an amazing built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, so you learn the proper accent from the very start. For limited time dress listeners, you can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off by visiting rosettastone.com forward slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com forward slash today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Well, we can't let you go, obviously, without talking about the clothing you use in your photo shoots. And you can tell me if you agree with me or not, but I really see you as an artist who uses her body as a canvas and clothing as your paint because the clothing that you use and find is just incredible. And I'd love if you could give us a little more insight into where it comes from. I mean, are you making these things? Are you shopping them? Are you borrowing them from people? Does it all live in your closet? I actually think it does because you did, like I mentioned <laughs> earlier, a video of your closet. And I have to say, it's like a boutique. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's been, I mean, I never ever thought like I was going to be that person with that amount of clothing. But I do think that I've been close to people that uh, were related to museography. I learned it from Antwerp you know we were sharing the building with the fashion museum so I started getting that vision like how 
important it was to somehow collect good pieces. And that's how it started. But um, it's very complicated, like, because I don't know that the motivation for me to to buy is quite rare to many other people because I don't buy because it is beautiful or comfortable, but because it's going to have a message or it's going to work for what I do. Like you said, uh, I do feel that this is going further than just dressing up. And that was what I was looking for. And that was why I started studying fashion because I felt like I needed to give something extra. And I think through this project, it has been possible because I'm, I'm using clothes with a message, you know, I'm not wearing them just because they're pretty or whatever. So I think I'm finding a new meaning into getting dressed up. I don't care right now if it looks good on me because, you know, you have all of these rules that I actually learned, but I do, you know, you know, like they say, like you, you have to know the rules to break them. And of course I was trained to, you know, hear all of this stuff that you can mix three colors or whatever, but that, I mean, I get to see a mural and sometimes it's mixing a neon next to a red and whatever. And I have to find that that tone and it's very difficult because I have to to buy clothes in yellow in bright yellow but mustard yellow but you know actually I've learned lots of, of thanks to art you know about colors about how to understand and work colors also the way I, I the reasons why I buy a, a, an item today have to do with the kind of possibilities that I found in it because sometimes I look at something and I just look at the mural and I just think like, okay, if we manage to create this silhouette, you know, to, to have the luck of having this uh, shape, you know, next to the mur mural, it's going to work. Otherwise, it doesn't seem like it's matching. It's all of this process that I have to be able to visualize in clothes, not only because they are beautiful, you know, sometimes certain textures really don't work with, with what I'm doing. And uh, also in that sense, it's very difficult to keep those clothes and to maintain those clothes because you can hang them in a normal way. You know, we've learned so much about it. I think that has been very, uh, I've been very lucky because the fact that I have an architect as, as a father has been very helpful because we have found a way to manage uh, the the way to to make a place for all of these clothes. Uh, lots of magazines have uh, write me, you know, because they want to see my my closet. But that is the part. The one that I showed on Instagram was like the part where I start moving the clothes that I know that I'm going to wear soon. But reality is that the rest of the clothes I have to keep them in boxes sometimes you know, special boxes because you have to take care of them uh, because humidity, because of the sun, because it's very difficult to keep feathers, to keep crystals. You can put them with any other thing. You can hang them. Uh, we had to buy this kind of racks that uh, big uh, stores have. You know, I literally had to kind of make a yeah, it was sort of like a museum, you know, the way they keep clothes because you have to also separate them. So we've learned so much about maintenance of clothing. And uh, <laughs> and the thing is also that I right now I know which materials I can buy because they won't last. 
So it's been, uh, I don't know, it's, it's kind of weird the, the process in that sense, but I also think that is part of the magic. And um, yeah, I just think it's, it's very unique because sometimes uh, also um, single photo demands a certain outfit. I mean, I don't care if I'm buying or I'm getting something that's made for a man or I buy kids' uh, clothing. Uh, luckily, I'm tiny, so I can fit in their, you know, in the sizes. So I buy of any kind of things. Some other things I make them myself. Some others I transform them. Um, some others I, you know, do the layering stuff. And so it's, it's very, you know, each, each piece has its own uh, secrets or creative processes, you know. And I was going to ask you if you wear this clothing outside of the context of these photographs, but I have my answer because you're wearing a newspaper print sweater that you just wore <laughs> in one of your pieces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, like a lot of people come and come and tell me like about my character, you know, the character I've created on Instagram. And I'm like, actually, I think one of the secrets why this has worked out so well, it is because it is true. I'm, I'm that person. You know, I never faked it. The very first photos were actually accidental. For me, it was like, okay, it is amazing to see that fashion actually does have a link with art. And sometimes this art that is muralism that could be taken as so far away from the interests that fashion has, there actually isn't that far because we're in the same, in the same place right now. We're thinking the same stuff. And for me, that was the very first, ex there, were, there were the very first examples of what I was doing, you know, to find that the trend, the current trend was actually matching to the interests of artists, whether it was a museum or muralist, whatever. But I actually do dress up like that. And people who know me know that it is true. I mean, even if I just have to go to Starbucks that day, I'm going to go <laughs> with that. Like, of course, I have, you know, reactions of people all of the time. My family normally walks behind me to see what um, <laughs> the amount of, of consequences that my, my looks have. And they have like lots of fun with it. And I do think it's okay because it is part, I mean, it would be wrong if I dressed up like that and nobody noticed, you know? So I've heard any kind of things, any kind of reactions, but I do go through the streets like dressed up like that. Sometimes it happens that I'm going with this very weird outfit and people look at me in the streets like, what the hell is going on? And all of a sudden I place in a mural, for example, and they, you, I see their eye look and it's like, oh my God, I see it. That was it. She looks just like she fits perfectly there and you can see the surprise. Sometimes people in the museums or they think that I'm part of a performance, you know? So it's very, it's very funny to, to see all of this, not only what happens in the photo, but what goes behind it, you know? Yeah. I, I, and, you know, Melania, you have already given all of us such extreme delight. I really see you as an artist. I got that aspect of the work immediately. It's You're not just somebody dressing up. It, it, it's That message is very clear when you look at your Instagram feed. So I'm curious, um, you know, we, we hoped this, this continues and we can't wait to see more images, but do you maybe have any new or pending projects that we can also look forward to that you'd like to talk to us about? 
Yeah, well, we're actually uh, working in very interesting projects. Like I never thought that this project could actually bring me back to my real love that's obviously design. And I have two brands that are not um, like the kind of brand that I want to do. I want to keep my name for my dream brand. That's not the moment. Um, but we're actually, uh, I think the most interesting one is that I'm working with a um, company that actually produces murals. And it's one of the most important here in Mexico because their their idea is to use muralism to, how could I say this? Um, there's this even, I mean, even the government is involved in this because it is proof that when you put a mural, you really literally change the way streets are perceived by people. Wow. And it's kind of, it's very interesting because, you know, Mexico, you know, it has this fame of very uh, violent stuff going on and blah, 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 blah. The thing is that they are using muralism in these very difficult places that people don't like to walk by because it's probably, it could look like it's dangerous or whatever. And they are placing these murals to to change the whole environment of a place. And it's actually working. It is impressive. Now people are, you know, you, you put it and people go and go and go to take photos. Right now, there's like this very important trend about it. So they use uh, their their artists in places where it's actually difficult, like markets or uh, under the bridges or whatever. And we chose three different areas of the city where they have uh, murals from very important artists. um, And we're actually already designing the clothes. Now it's really happening. I'm doing the clothes um, inspired by their art. Uh, and it's amazing because that is the way I, I mean, I have the, the permission to, to do things with their artwork. We're going to do matching clothing, of course. Um, but of course, it's also, it's going to have this direction of street uh, wear that is actually a, an important trend, you know. So um, I think it's amazing in that sense because I never thought that this project could give me the opportunity to go back to what I actually the reason why I started this, you know, we're working also on a book. So it's going to be, that's actually one of the most exciting parts for me because there are so many things behind what the photos can tell. I always like to keep the posts on Instagram, like very clean. I know there's like these people, you know, uh, telling the whole story and whatever, but I also like to sort of promote the idea of creativity that you can imagine whatever it is that's going behind that photo. And also because this project has drawn the attention from many people from different countries. And I think that it is nice that many people are already coming to Mexico just to come and see street art or their museums. It is amazing. You know, sometimes I'm taking a photo and now there are tours for foreigners to to see around the city and it is working. I mean, you you create this link with people from other countries to feel interested into coming to Mexico and see our art here because it is it is very beautiful. It's even more beautiful than sometimes my photos can tell. You know, so that's why I I kept like that part away. But it is through a book that I think is going to be way more clear. I get lots of messages from people asking me like, how do you do it? And blah, blah, blah. But that is why I think the book is necessary. So we're working on that. 
and I'm working with other brands that I never thought I, I, I would. The thing is expanding like in a way that I never thought. Now I have proposals from, from brands that are not only related to fashion. Uh, and that's very, I mean, I, I like that because uh, I, I have this, I feel, I feel like it's a very challenging situation for me to find a way to link my artistic vision to a commercial one. I don't think it has to be, you know, far away. From, you know, I, I think you can really find a, a link between them. And I think that has made that has made me to grow as an artist, as a designer, you know. So I'm very interested into that. But very big projects are coming in that sense. So I'm excited about it because I never thought that that kind of brands were looking at my work, you know. That's very exciting. And and just to clarify, the first partnership that you were talking about about creating the matching clothes for the the murals that you've selected in in different parts of the city, are you creating those outfits just? for images or are they actually going to be sold? No, um, they're actually going to be sold in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to keep it like not in a massive way because, you know, I think it's also part of, we want to respect the artist's vision, you know? So the thing is, um, it's going to be different editions, but small editions also so people can feel like uh, if I feel more like a t-shirt person, you know, but I, I won't see that t-shirt here and there. We're taking the time to select the right kind of uh, fabrics, the right kind of materials and stuff like that. We're going to have this selection that will be handmade, others that will be printed. Of course, we want to start with a very few pieces so we can understand also what kind of things are people expecting and and I wanted to keep it like uh, unisex because I think that it's also that has worked for me you know and this kind of people also feel related to that the kind of people we want to to be like the representing uh, brand of all of these uh, kind of artists that when they're painting, they have to be comfortable, but many of them do have a personal style. So it is based in that, you know, and the current trend of the streetwear, the streetwear trends and my personal approach in that sense. You know, I want them to be t-shirts, but not basic t-shirts because I mean, I'm a designer. I want, I want the project to look like it is really designed, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's going to it's going to take a bit, but we're already working on that. Well, sign me up. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I was going to say, we're certainly excited to keep following you and all of these exciting projects well into the future. We will definitely keep our eyes open for that book, which is going to be just beautiful. And of course, our dress listeners will follow along at matching.melania. Melania, thank you so much for joining us today. This was just a delight. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you so much. It was amazing to talk to you. And I really, really, really want to thank you because I never, ever thought this project could go this far. So, um, yeah, what can I say? I feel I feel honored about it. April, I know you're going to agree with me when I say that this interview was such a treat for both of us. And we were both (laughs) remarking that we have so enjoyed this expansion of our Fashion History Now segments, which, as our listeners know, originally began as us covering exhibitions, news, book releases. And, you know, we've sort of expanded that to include content with fashion history makers of the present, including incredible makers like Melania. 
Yes. And, and, and some of them, uh, many of them are literally reshaping the world as we speak. And I'm always super inspired when we have the opportunity to chat with fashion change makers. So, um, you know, there's lots more to come. We have more up our sleeve. But um, until then, I think that does it for us this week, dress listeners. May you consider where the intersection of fashion and art just might reside in your wardrobe next time you get dressed. Dress listeners, we continue to be hopeful about our August trip to Paris with our listeners, and we have a few spots left open. We would love for you to join us in all of the wonderful things we have planned. If you're interested, you can head over to likemindtravels.com. That's likemindstravel.com for more information. We do love hearing from you, so if you would like to write to us, you can do so at dress at iheartmedia.com, or you can DM us on Instagram at dressed underscore podcast. And while you are there, you must be sure to also follow Melania at matching.melania. Thank you as always to our producers, Casey Pegram, Holly Fry, and everyone else at iHeartRadio that makes the show possible each week. We will catch you next on Tuesday. Dress the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 